So welcome back to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. I'm your host, Evan Kelly. I'm the Communications Manager here at Developmental Disabilities Association. This is where we connect with advocates in the disability community, help tell their stories, raise disability awareness, and just be a supporter and advocate for them as well. Uh, For those who don't know about us at DDA, we're a community living agency that serves Vancouver and Richmond. We support uh, roughly 2,000 clients with developmental disabilities and their families and have been doing so since 1952. So yay, this is our 70th anniversary. Uh, We recently came across an article uh, that's actually quite near and dear to my heart. In fact, it's been uh, published a few times over the past couple of years that drum lessons have a positive impact on people with autism. Now, I've been playing drums for over 30 years, so I thought the impact was fantastic. Um, And I just read this on the website Disability Scoop, so I'm gonna read this verbatim from the website about their research. Uh, Researchers looked at 36 people with autism between the ages of 16 and 20 with no drumming experience. 19 of them received 45-minute drum lessons twice each week for eight weeks, while the rest took no lessons. All of the participants were given a drumming assessment and an MRI scan at the beginning at the end of the study, and their guardians were asked about their behavior. At the conclusion of the intervention, those who improved their drumming abilities showed a reduction in hyperactivity, inattention, and repetitive behaviors, and they displayed better control of their emotions, according to findings uh, published recently in the Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Now that is just drums, so music therapy obviously covers a lot more than just just playing drums. So joining us today is Esther Thane, who operates ET Music Therapy in North Vancouver and Richmond. ET Music Therapy covers a wide range of musical mediums, all focused on treating autism, and they have been operating since 1996. Esther has been involved in music and music therapy for years and used to teach the Bachelor of Music Therapy program at Capilano University and has received several awards for her groundbreaking work. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Evan. <laughs> Happy to be here. Excellent. So what what initially inspired you to work in the field of music therapy? Oh, gosh, that's a long story. I'm not sure everyone wants to hear it or not. Um, well, we were a very musical family. I mean, my parents are not musical, uh, but it's something that they always pushed my sister and I to do. So ever since we were children, we were involved in uh, choir, vocal lessons, piano lessons, theory, etc. We were in band, etc. And my sister is a concert pianist. Her and her husband have a piano duo called the Bergman Duo uh, here in the Lower Mainland. And I watched my sister as a child. I was younger than her, and I watched her practice diligently for four hours a day plus and thought to myself, that's not what I want to do. (laughs) However, I realized very early on that music was one of the only things I did know how to do and was good at. So... At the same time, I didn't want to teach recorder and ukulele <laughs> in the school, so I thought, where where do I go from here? Where is a middle ground? Um, and I hadn't heard about music therapy whatsoever, but my my parents encouraged me to take a year off of university because I was just you know accumulating student loans, taking this and that, and not knowing what I wanted to do. So I took the year off, and I was living in Germany. My sister at the time was also uh, in Germany studying music, and at the end of the year, I was supposed to, of course, find myself in that year's time and decide what I wanted to do for a career, but that hadn't really happened, and a few months before I was leaving to come back home, I was going for a walk with my sister, and she said, well, what about music therapy? And I just, something inside me went, that sounds good. I had no idea what it was, 
but I just kind of took a leap of faith mm -hmm. and thought that's that's probably what I want to do. So um, I did all my prerequisites. I got into the music therapy bachelor program at Capilano. And that first day, I remember sitting in class and all of my classmates were telling stories about in the summertime how they volunteered with this music therapist and did this and that. And I still had no clue what music therapy <laughs> was, but my gut told me this is where I'm supposed to be. So um, it was really as simple as that of just, you know, taking that leap of faith, that blind faith. And as I was going through the program every week, that I progressed in the program, realizing this was this was my vocation, this was my calling. Yeah. And the first time I saw a, a video of kids with autism um, in music therapy session, I thought to myself, and that's the population, that's the community I want to work with. So right. I've never looked back. It, what, what does music therapy uh, offer that other therapies don't? Well, you know, that's a really good question, and I think what I always say is um, that any child, like when, when we're just talking about children, because of course music therapy you can do with adults, you mm -hmm. can do in palliative care, you can do with brain injury. Um, there's a myriad of different um, diagnoses and conditions that music therapy can target very eloquently and beautifully. But when we're talking about kids, I always say, um, you know, a child will integrate new information at a deeper level, new skill sets at a deeper level if it's coming from a place of inner motivation. So instead of being taught and told what to do to explore and experience it on their own, um, and they will integrate that new learning differently. So, you know, for me, I think we are really lucky and we're blessed and we kind of have this extra thing called music as our partner in therapy that other therapies don't have because for most kids, I mean, not all, but for the majority of children and individuals in the world, all adults of all walks of life, music is motivating. Music is mm -hmm. something that helps us pass the time. It makes time go faster. You know, I'm a runner. If I don't have my music with me and my earbuds, I can't run a block. But if I have right. music, the time just, you know, that's why we listen to music on long trips. You know, it, it warps the perception of time. And I think mm -hmm. for kids, they come into the music therapy space feeling like it is more effortless, that they're just having a good time and they have no idea that we're targeting all of these sensory systems and primary systems simultaneously just by making active music. So it's just, it just you're taking it from the point of view that this is fun. This is fun. Yeah, I mean, as, as musicians, you and me both can yeah. attest to that. Yeah, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, do you, have you always only just primarily sort of worked with autistic children, or have you worked with adults, other neurodiversity things, or PST, PTSD, or anything like that? Um, personally, I would say my wheelhouse is developmental delays in general, all diverse needs from autism to ADHD, Down syndrome, anxiety, some depression, um, any any different um, developmental conditions. And of course, have worked all the way from, you know, two-year-olds to um, adults. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow, that's good. Now, your website says, uh, this is quoting your website, children with ASD seem to enjoy uh, musical experiences because they're often good at it. Can you expand on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I that is a little bit of a blanket statement, and I don't want to generalize with that statement. However, really, in my experience, that's what I've seen. They are good at it. And um, what I mean by that is there is a special relationship with autistic kids and music. It's a medium that they often prefer to live within. Um, they have often more sophisticated musical tastes. They have incredible memory recall. You know, I had one client um, come in and we were just improvising the whole session. And a whole week went by. I had seen multiple other clients in, in the meantime. And when he came back through the door, he remembered the exact music motif from our improvisation a week mm. prior. I couldn't remember because I had had many different improvisations <laughs> with lots of other clients in the interim. Um, but they can hear something, they can memorize it, they have unbelievable appreciation often for even just chord progressions and chord structures. And, and you know, for me, I was so spoiled by that, um, that element within their personalities, because I'd worked with hundreds of kids with autism before I had my own children. And then when my own children came along, I was like perplexed. Why, why aren't you so excited about music? <laughs> because, you know, as a musician, I am very excited about music and it's my passion and it's, it's what really gets me from within, you know, and, uh, I, I was always able to share that joy and that passion with the kids that I was working with. And, you know, my kids, they love music too, but, you know, they can kind of take it or leave it. They weren't as like, they didn't get the, you know, the goosebumps mm -hmm. like I do when mm -hmm. I hear certain chord progressions and, you know, and, and so I think I was really spoiled all those years with, with working with them. And, and I think that's something that we share on a, on a real visceral level yeah I, I mean as a you know again as a musician i feel lucky that we sort of connect with music on those levels and yeah. then sort of go and play it and have fun with it yeah, yeah um now music obviously can be very structured in a, in a lot of ways if it's sort of written down and, and written there there's a song you're you're supposed to play it a certain way a certain tempo a certain loudness uh, uh but you've also mentioned improvisation uh and and it, it seems to me that kids with autism uh, appreciate the structuredness, but how does how does improvisation work? Well, you know, it really goes on a case by case basis. You know, when when a kid comes through the door, we're really assessing informally what do they gravitate towards, what types of instruments, what genres of music, what kind of musical experiences do they gravitate towards. You know, some kids really like structured music activities where we're really addressing auditory discrimination and temporal skills and temporal pacing and self-regulation through the music. And other kids just walk through the door and all they want to do is improvise. So when we're improvising, we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think for autistic kids often, they love music because it's a non-threatening language. And whether you are verbal or non-verbal, we can all communicate through the music. So if a child is saying something by playing three notes on the piano, the music therapist can take those three notes, they can shadow those three notes and create a whole uh, music motif and, and structure around that. So we're letting that child know, I hear you, in whatever you're doing. If you hit the drum once, we're gonna hit the drum 
and accompany you and just play when you're playing and match you. And so in that way, you can have a call and response conversation mm -hmm. back and forth that doesn't require words. It, it's, it's really the skills of the music therapist intuiting what that child is trying to say through the music, what their emotive expression is in that moment and matching the intensity. So it's not just about matching the notes, but it's matching the intensity or the intent that we're perceiving behind what that child is giving musically. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned nonverbal. I, I assume you work with some nonverbal clients as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, do, do you find that music helps them open themselves up a bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we can just start out with vocalizing, even if we're nonverbal and we don't have the ability to form language. It doesn't matter in music, right? And we can take a microphone and an amp and we can just vocalize and we can match the client's vocalizations and create, again, music around whatever it is that they're vocalizing. If it's a simple hum or a grunt or just an ah or an e sound, um, they are it, it kind of opens up this whole channel of expression that doesn't require language. So it can, it'll be almost be anything it needs to be or anything, anything it wants it needs to be. Anything it needs to be. Absolutely, you've got it, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Now, how much of your practice is based on vocal therapy and how much is on actual instrumentation? You know, I would say it's pretty half and half. Um, the therapists we have at ET Music Therapy they use their voice a cappella all the time. They use the voice as a primary instrument, but they also use the piano and the guitar. So yeah, it's almost like, I would say almost a third, if, you know, actually it's a third guitar, third piano, third voice, um, but it's always intermixing and, and changing, you know, the dynamic changes um, depending on each child. You know, some, some children don't want you to, to use your voice and they, they, they don't want to hear you sing. Mm. They just want to hear themselves sing. And, you know, some kids are more instrumental based. So again, it's a real, a real case by case basis. And do you find, I mean, are there, benefits to either or do they sort of have similar outcomes in, in what you're after? Well, you know, it, it depends. If the child, if, if one of the target goals is language acquisition, then of course we're going to use more oral motor vocalizations. We're going to use the kazoo mm -hmm. to use that as an outlet for expression, to explore the voice and making sounds, you know, that whole pre-verbal uh, level first. Um, but certainly expression can be absolutely just through instrument instrumentation. You know, we have a lot of kiddos that come in the door and you can tell from the get-go and you probably are the same way as a drummer for so many years. You can you can pinpoint who's the rhythmic guy in the room, right? <laughs> they come in and they're tapping on the walls already. They're tapping on the doors and they just need to get things out rhythmically. Mm -hmm. And especially if a child is having a really frustrating day, and, and I think everybody can relate to that, having that outlet, that cathartic outlet to just wail on the on the drums, you know, and feel heard and know that that is a and quote unquote appropriate way to get any anger out or <laughs> any frustration that you have by you know wailing on a conga drum or something or a djembe where um, it's it's going to be heard and it's going to be accepted by the therapist in the room and and we feel better after. Mm -hmm. I can I can attest that that is an appropriate way yeah. to get rid of some emotion <laughs> and energy. Absolutely. 
Um, now, in, in terms of like instrumentation and vocalization is is all you know obviously part of that. Do you try and teach them um, musical theory or or like hey have you heard of this guy? It's Rachmaninoff or it's it's uh, Rush. Yeah. <laughs> <go>. Well, you <laughs> know, I mean, great comparison all the way from Rachmaninoff to Rush. Yeah, absolutely. I had, to go, and, I had to go there. And anywhere in between, you know, somewhere that there's a book in there, Rachmaninoff to Rush. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great book title. Um, again, it really depends on where the interests are for the child and kind of a main foundational principle of music therapy not dependent on you know any type of person you're working with is that music therapy is going to be way more effective if you are using the client's preferred music so whether or not you like country music if the client likes country music you got to go there you know <laughs> if they like classical music then you're going to go there um, and we find that you know in general changes can be made in the brain based on music preference there was mm. uh, a study i don't know uh, quite a few years ago with oliver Sacks, and you know oliver Sacks was always a real advocate of music therapy and you know he wrote that that book musicophilia and there was this one youtube that i was watching that he did where he was um getting an mri of of you know when he was listening to certain music and it was very well known that he preferred bach to beethoven and what they did was they um i can't remember what university he was at um well, I won't, I won't try to say what, I can't remember. Anyway, but what they did was they found a piece of Bach music that he had never heard before. And before that, they played Bach and they played Beethoven. And they could see that the activity in his brain was less when they played Beethoven. And then they played a Bach piece that was just kind of later on in Bach's um, compositions. So it was kind of the end, almost nearing the end of the Baroque period. He was kind of touching on some classical and romantic, mm -hmm. you know, essences of Beethoven. So he wasn't sure himself if it was Bach or Beethoven, but his, his brain scans showed it. That's that he was more lit up listening to the music. So I think his his premise at the end of this experiment was that I may not know or I think I know what I like, but my brain actually knows what I like and responds <laughs> more. So I think that's a really key principle is that where that child wants to go to, if they like reggae, if they like pop music, if they like alternative or rush or classical, um, that's where we really start the therapy from. We're always going to use what motivates the child. Because again, if it's coming from that place of inner motivation, it's effortless. And, you know, I don't like country music, so I'm not going to be receptive if you're playing country music for me maybe some Keith Urban <laughs> well maybe maybe yeah you know but it's it's really what what is in invoking this kind of interest and curiosity and it it really is dependent on where they what they like and what they're humming and you know right. that's one of the first things we do when I'm <clears throat> talking to parents uh, at the beginning um, before you know just for the intake information as I ask you know what kind of music that does your child listen to 
what are what are what are they gravitating towards? What are they dancing to? You know, whether it's a theme song from a kids show or something they found on YouTube or if they like Metallica, then we prepare our therapists. That's what they're going to do in that first session. So that becomes that icebreaker and bridging the gap. You know, so we're establishing rapport with that child using the music that they love because then they feel heard and understand understood. You know. Now, does that mean you've got to hire people that can play Metallica or Rush? <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, here, you let's know, work out some riffs here for you. Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of the music therapist life um, from a day-to-day -day basis is learning different types mm -hmm. and styles of music based yeah. on their clients. So, you know, you whether you like it or not, you kind of have to because we have to go there so that we're meeting that person where they want to be met um, in the music. Right. And that's, you know, my curriculum that I created is called Meet in the Music. And that's, you know, as the name says, it's really about meeting that person in the music and going on this journey together. Mm -hmm. Now, in like in terms of the instruments, I mean, according to the article that I've sort of inspired me to, to talk to you about this stuff, drums work well. Um, what other instruments do you find work well? Or is it just sort of whatever, again, a, a case by case basis, I would assume. Yeah. Um, but are you, do you find that there are other certain instruments that work better in helping the child progress? Great question. Um, and again, you know, there's no magic formula to that. It's each child, you know, is is their own case. Um, we try to have at both of our music therapy studios a whole myriad of different instruments for um, the child to explore from electric guitars to electric basses, drum kits. Uh, we've got a harpsichord in our Richmond studio. We've got pianos. We've got a harp. Hmm. We've got... Um, uh, in our North Van studio, we have a big four foot long tone drum, like a slit drum that has lots of different tones. And we can turn the drum over on the side and the child can lie on top of the drum and the therapist is playing on the side of the drum and they're getting all of this deep vibrational input, mm. which really helps with self-regulation. It helps calm their systems down. It, it brings them to um, an appropriate arousal level. Oh. so to speak and th that sort of brings me to the to to the parents aspect of this do you find that the p the clients that come to you are they've uh, are they just using the music program in addition to other therapies or is it or are they sometimes coming to you because they've exhausted other therapies and and both both yeah. both yeah absolutely you know the music therapist is enhancing all of the other goals that the rest of the treatment team has. So, you know, if a speech therapist is working on language acquisition and wants to work on ideation of thought and for the child to formulate their own sentences and have conversations, we do that in the music. We'll sing different things to each other. We'll sing questions and answers to each other. You know, an occupational therapist might be working on motor praxis and gross and fine motor skills. Well, naturally we do that. I mean, when you're playing an instrument, when you're striking a drum with a mallet, you're working on eye-hand coordination, you're working on mallet grasp. Um, if you're playing an instrument like small percussion instruments, where like a triangle, for instance, everybody knows what a triangle is. And you know, you're holding the triangle with one hand and you're holding a mallet with the other. So you're doing two different things with two sides of your body. So I think naturally, we're always targeting multiple goals simultaneously. Now, how soon after starting music therapy do you notice changes in your clients? 
Uh, again, that can really vary. I mean, you know, a lot of parents will will say to me on the phone, well, you know, my child doesn't um, attend, doesn't have a high attention span, can maybe only tolerate a half hour, you know, in any activity. And I'll say, well, let's just, let's just give, you know, let's just wait and see how it is in music. Because again, that perception of time it's it's evasive it, it just it's gone when you're actively making music so you know for some kids they come out you know the withdrawn kid just comes out and starts to blossom and express themselves in different ways because it's a different outlet than when we the rest of what we see in society where we're just kind of walking and talking and having to act a, a certain way and in music we can express ourselves um, creatively some kids um, you know, they, they progress in different ways. Uh, you know, I've had clients that have been very anxiety-ridden, very dysregulated, and all they do is scream for the first, you know, couple of sessions or even months. Mm -hmm. Or it's hard to get some kids even to come into the space to go over that threshold of the front door and go into an unknown environment. Um, but then they don't want to leave, you know? So um, it really depends, you know? Some kids start vocalizing and saying words for the first time after a few sessions. Some kids, you know, it'll take longer, but they're also very highly motivated to come back because again, they're, they're building this relationship with the therapist in a, in a different way where it's not, you know, sit down table work, here, we've got to go through these exercises, mm -hmm. etc. And, you know, kind of coming back to one of your original questions about do we teach theory or, or music, that's often a, a natural progression that will be incorporated in the session. So, you know, some some kids are with us for many, many years. And after they've kind of gone through the the traditional music therapy route of different activities and improvisation, as they grow up, it kind of naturally evolves into music lessons, but it's more oh, wow. adapted music lessons where, you know, the therapist is very knowledgeable of, you know, what things are going to trigger the person, if they have any auditory defensiveness, you know, um, do they need frequent breaks uh, because they need to do some spinning or movement um, or, or stimming of, mm -hmm. of some kind, you know, we have that flexibility as music therapists. So an adapted music lesson looks quite different than a, a traditional music lesson. Mm -hmm. Now, do you find that there are permanent changes in emotional control and or behavior through music therapy? Or is this something that you find needs to keep going for a longer period of time? No, you know, I think that because, again, I know I keep kind of coming back to this same point, because they are motivated from within, because there is a natural curiosity to explore music, a child's attention span can naturally just be extended. Right. We know that a child, when they're interested in something and they're focused, they can focus for hours. Right. If it's something that intrigues them. Um, and so the, the more often you're doing this, the more that's going to generalize and carry over into when they walk out the door. Um, and they're going to be able to regulate for longer periods as well. Um, you know, and we always encourage parents, you know, to do different things at home and use music um, in day to day tasks, anything that's going to make it more fun whatever it is that the child doesn't you know warm up to immediately you can add this whole level of music to it and um, 
you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of this, but thinking about, you know, Mary Poppins when they were cleaning the room and she started singing, you know, a teaspoon of a sugar, sugar makes a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine down. go down, right? <laughs> and singing that song, all of a sudden the task of cleaning the room was easier, you know? So I think it's marrying music with things also that are not preferred uh, tasks to do. Um, kind of alleviate um, any anxiety around it or stress and make it a more fun experience. You know, there's there's a reason why in every single culture in the world throughout the history of mankind, there's music. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the oldest instrument is a, a flute they found 30,000 years ago. You know, there's something inherent inside human beings that we want to express musically. Mm -hmm. We have rituals in our cultures. There's no culture that doesn't have music be integral. We always have found time, even if we're chasing, being chased by dinosaurs or, well, okay, whoever, you know, we, we feel this need to express through art in general. And, um, and so I think that is something that's universal. Mm -hmm. So that's why a music therapist could work with a child who comes from an entirely different country and speaks a different language, and they can still build a relationship through music. Mm -hmm. There aren't a lot of... Yeah, it's a whole language. It's a whole language of its own, and there aren't a lot of activities in the world that you can do that. No, there, there definitely isn't. Yeah. Now, um, what ongoing work in your field right now has, the mo has you the most excited? Gosh, I would say what what makes me the most excited is bringing it to everyone else in the world to realize that, you know, yes, there's a profession called music therapy and yes, people go to school for it and get lots of training in medical and psychology and therapy and blah, 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 blah. But what excites me is is creating this this level of awareness that people realize they can be doing this they can do a level of music therapy for themselves they can do that at home that we don't own the therapeutic uh, benefits of music and you know I think that a lot of that has been lost in our culture you know we we pay money to go to concerts mm -hmm. and sit quietly and listen to music you know we don't make music anymore in the household, you know, 100 years ago, there was always a piano or a violin or a accordion, somebody in the family did that. And after supper, that's what you did. You sat around and you mm -hmm. made music. That was your MTV. That was your MTV. <laughs> that was, I mean, even that's dating us yeah, saying MTV. A little bit, a little bit. Um, but that was, that was our technology. That was our devices, you know, was making your own music and expressing that. And I think, you know, for parents to get back into that, to feel, confident that they can use their voices with their children that you can mm -hmm. vocalize and sing and you know we get shut down at a very early age often in music education I agree, being yeah. told by teachers especially if you were in a choir i'm sure there's people out there that can relate to this experience at a young age if you were in a choir and the teacher said just lip sync just <laughs> right you you're tone deaf or you're not singing the right yeah. so just yeah, yeah. pretend that you're singing and those old truths they stay with us mm -hmm. throughout our entire lives and then we have our own kids and we're convinced oh i don't have a good voice i can't sing around my children but we're forgetting that the voice is the first way that your child connected with you whether mm -hmm. you're a father or a mother you know the the auditory system is the first sensory system that's fully developed or gets developed at four months 
gestation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that child has been listening to the mother's voice inside in utero yep. all the time. They are hearing the the father's voice through through the womb for many months before they come out. So when you speak, when you sing, you know, chances are that's the most beautiful sound your child has ever heard because that's what is familiar with them. And so that should keep going, you know, um, and and being able to, to just free yourself of any sort of criticisms yeah. of, of your voice. You yeah, know? I, think I could see that being pretty daunting for, for parents because I know lots of friends and, and par- fellow parents who are like, oh, I haven't got a talented bone in my body. But yeah. The idea of, 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 you know, offering music to my kids isn't isn't difficult for me. I'm not a great singer. Yeah. But they know I play drums and I can. they know I still play music in a band. Yes. So they know that element is there in their life. And as much as I've tried to push it on them, yeah, forget it. They're not yeah. interested. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's there, you know, and we, uh, my partner, I are, partner and I are always playing music in the house. So we're always trying to make sure that that's there. Now, UT Music Therapy already has quite a big team. How do you see your company changing in the next decade? Well, you know, I think we're always expanding. We just hired two new music therapists and, um, you know, we've got the two studio locations. I I foresee in the future, you know, that maybe we're going to expand to another um, studio location. You know, right now we kind of serve the whole lower mainland and depending on where you're situated, where's closer to, you know, what's where's easier to go to? Is it Richmond, our Richmond studio or North Vancouver studio? So we have a lot of clients that are in, in the Vancouver area, but travel um, to us because we are open seven days a week um, in both studio locations. So, you know, that makes it a little easier for parents to, to travel on the weekends. But um, certainly, expanding growing getting a new site maybe um you know all of our therapists are using um as i mentioned before the curriculum that i've created meet in the music and it's on um it's on a cloud software therapy and documentation software called unitas ti and there are music therapists now that subscribe all around the world that are using that curriculum with their clients in australia in the u.s and across canada so just you know helping to spread the word and get music out there to the masses really we're we're doing what we can yeah um now do do clients need a referral or can they just approach you for services they can just approach us no referral is necessary whatsoever um on our website there's a contact us form and they can just fill it out and um and then i usually have a nice chit chat with them on the phone get to know who their child is you know what their preferences are their challenges their strengths and then we try to see if we can fit them with a good music therapist and a and a good time that you know they can come for weekly weekly music therapy that sounds really good how do people get in contact with you they can go to the website it's uh, www.etmusictherapy.com well that's fantastic uh, that about does it we have been speaking with Esther Thane she is the creator of ET Music Therapy that's a um, music therapy organization that that caters to uh, families and children with autism they've been around for how long you've been around for about 26, 26 we're on our 26th year yeah absolutely 26 years yeah. going strong in in uh, north vancouver and richmond correct 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 and we see all all diverse uh needs uh you know certainly our specialization is autism uh but we see all all different all different walks of life <laughs> right, thank you very much for joining us today thank you